The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTradio.live. Trish Wood on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hi, everybody. This is Trish Wood, and the show is on the fringe. And I'm I'm in a little bit of recovery right now after spending, I got up at 4 o'clock Eastern time um, and staggered into my living room to watch the coronation of King Charles III. <laughs> you know, I'm sort of a monarchist. I'm a bit irrational about it. I can argue both sides, but I, it's one of those things that I'm connected to because of the way it makes me feel. I'm a woman of a certain age. I remember when Charles married Diana. I, I watched that wedding. I got up and watched that wedding. And uh, I have a kid who is about the same age as William. So I kind of had babies at the same time. And I, I followed the drama. But, but more than the drama, uh, for me, it's about continuity. I heard a lot of words being used in Westminster Abbey today that really um, in most Western societies right now, particularly in America and Canada, don't have much meaning. For instance, chivalry. I mean, does anybody even use that word anymore? And do people even act that way? You know, it's a code of honor. And if you have spent any time at all, which I'm sure if you're listening to TNT radio, you are plugged into the political scene in many countries in America, Canada, you know, if you've been watching, there's no honor anymore. That's not, there's no code of honor among politicians or so-called leaders. They just lie to us, get elected, and then do whatever what uh, Klaus Schwab wants them to do, right? That's basically what happens. And they're not even trying to hide it anymore because the media lets them do that. There's no accountability either. So there were, there's a word like virtue. They were talking about virtue as well, like really old fashioned, lovely, lovely things that, in this post-COVID era when we're all a little bit nuts still and maybe a little bit sad and struggling to try to figure out what path to step onto to continue our lives, because everything has changed. Those long, not I don't want to lecture like your mom, but those long-held values of service to other people and being polite and putting other people before yourself and not being selfish like Megan um, are the things that lift us up. I will say this, that I had a very low period in my life in about 1999. Everything that could go wrong did. I'm talking about a huge, catastrophic, what we call a bottom. It was the bottom of my life, which I climbed out of. And I'm here today to tell the tale and give advice about it. But one of the things that pulled me out of it was doing um, service for other people. So I started working at a homeless shelter regular, like every Friday, it was called Out of the Cold. And I loved it. And it really kind of rearranged my DNA. So what I'm getting at is some of the things they were talking about in these fabulous, and, you know, Westminster Abbey was beautiful, and everybody was decked out in gold and jewels and <laughs> diamonds and, and all that stuff. So it's kind of silly to talk about service. But actually, that's what in a sense, the monarchy represents and what that service uh, represents to, to people. Um, so that's kind of what I took away from it was really focusing on those words that they were, they were talking about. Now, there were other things going on there too that were quite interesting. Of course, Harry showed up and um, it was quite sad because 
I was watching to see if he would be booed. And the little devil that sits on my left shoulder was sort of hoping he would be booed. I have, I'm not being a very nice person, but I don't have any forgiveness yet for what he and Megan did to the queen during her last year. And even as she was dying, she invited them to Balmoral about three weeks before she died and they didn't go. They had better things to do. So I, and the book and the Netflix and her lies and the fake racism, all that stuff. Yuck, right? I can't stand him. I think she's the driving force. I think she is probably a sociopath. That's my sense of her, the way she drops people and she's capable of enormous cruelty and self-centeredness. I mean, off the charts. I'd love a forensic psychiatrist to do a kind of a you know, a long distance exam of her. And I think he's just a weak sister who is um, enthralled, as they say, by her. She's very manipulative and uh, and he's cowardly and he's hurt his family. So uh, you guys all know that. But anyway, so he showed up there today. I was kind of hoping, you know, he'd be booed. But he, I, as far as I can tell, he wasn't. And they kind of got him in quickly, maybe so that couldn't happen. Um, and maybe if I'd heard him boot, I would have actually felt sorry for him because that's how I roll. You know, I hate something and then I feel bad about it. But, but, um, the way he behaved in the Abbey was really, it was kind of a study in, um, in phoniness. And what I mean by that is he, he kind of strolled in and his face was going from really kind of desperately anxious to that kind of rictus super happy, the clown in the movie, it kind of grin, right? It's the one that Megan has perfected. It's the grin that's plastered on her face, no matter what the circumstance, even if they're in a solemn thing, she's like with the grin. So he's learned how to do that, but he doesn't do it as credibly as she does. Not that I think she's all that credible, but she's more credible than he is. She was an actress, right? So he was kind of alternating between looking like a lost sheep or a guilty sheep, maybe a guilty kid, a guilty two-year-old, and he should feel guilty, or pretending everything was all good. You know, he was doing his, oh, it's all good. You know, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. And so that was kind of awful to see. Um, I think he probably shouldn't have gone at all. I don't know why, what it achieved or accomplished, actually. Um, except that there will, I suppose, be a photograph of him for posterity attending his father's, um, his father's coronation. And then just one more thing, obviously Camilla is sort of the, you know, the elephant in the room here. And, um, as a, as a Diana lover, which is a funny thing for a feminist to say, right? Why did I kind of really love this young woman who embodied all of the old, um, womanly arts in a sense you know she looked good she was fashionable she delivered the air and the spare and wasn't known for her intellect particularly so why you know why was i so committed to that because i think there's room for that if i think if a woman wants to be that way you know do it right i think there's all different kinds of ways to be a woman and um i think that it was fine for her to be that way but but it i i did <laughs> I think Charles was selfish in demanding that Camilla be made a queen as opposed to a queen consort or a princess consort. I think it was selfish of him. Um, I, probably his boys, you know, William is perfect. He's not, except 
he's as I was thinking about just before going on that he did ask Jacinda Ardern yuck to be on the board of the Earthshot. So that really made me not like him very much in that moment anyway, because it's very he's very Klaus Schwabian, it would seem, as is his father. Um but I think probably it was it's not a I, you know the british people will accept it i i will accept it eventually i don't think camilla's a bad person and i think she was in a tough spot because their relationship it's funny if you look back on that time i mean i lived it and i remember it right and here's one of the things they don't say the reason he couldn't marry camilla then was because she wasn't a virgin i'll just say it right um and the reason he married Diana was because she was. I mean, those were the antiquated constraints put on royal marriages in those days. So, you know, I kind of understand what happened and why it happened. But I also think that if you want to be a good person, you have to give things up. And if you are going to pledge a life of service, maybe he should have just lived in service of the woman he married and maybe didn't love as much instead of going after the woman that he was clearly, as they say in the UK, besotted with. Um, so this is, it's a bit of a, I think it's a bit self-indulgent. You know, he is um, the, the um, crown in the UK. It also represents the church of England and those values. So although the church of England recognizes second marriages and that sort of thing, I'm not sure that the queen crowned queen should be a mistress or whatever we call that now. I don't know what we call that now, but bad behavior, I guess. But, you know, it was a tragedy for everybody. And I include Charles in that. He didn't have a happy life. He had a crappy childhood at a terrible boarding school. So who knows? But um, I, I think that might be a bit of a misstep. But I also think, and this is kind of my theme for the post-COVID world, I think most people are, and I have to keep thinking this, are good people and forgiving people. And I think if she continues to to be supportive and work hard, which she's been doing, doing her royal duties, that um, maybe they'll come to accept her and, and even love her a little bit, right? So we'll see what happens there. It's a very interesting thing. And here's my last comment on the coronation this morning. <sighs> There were so many references to Ukraine, all kind of subliminal, overt and covert messages going on there. Um, and uh, there was a, uh, I, I think that Patrick Henningsen even uh, tweeted a photograph this morning of the carpet in there being blue and yellow. But I didn't notice that. But here's what I did notice, that Jill Biden and Hunter Biden's daughter um attended because Joe Biden couldn't get off his butt and fly to the UK and do what he should be doing for a big ally. I, my personal feeling as someone who used to travel a lot as an investigative journalist traveling the world on a big show, I know that that flight and the jet lag and everything is hard on a young person even. If he'd flown over the day before and then had to get up and, you know, the time uh, change and all that sort of stuff. It's hard on a person who's not demented. I think Joe Biden didn't go because he probably couldn't have managed it to do all that, fly over, time change, and then sit in a, he would have fallen asleep. He would have fallen asleep with the global cameras on him. For sure he would have. So what does he do? He sends Jill Biden and 
you know, the, and then the daughter of his kid who is under investigation and may be indicted and who we all know is corrupt, right? I mean, they, you know, I just really don't like the Bidens at all. I, I it just, they're trashy. I'm just going to say it. They are trashy. And one of the things that was commented on about the two of them was that Jill Biden was wearing this cornflower blue suit and Finnegan Biden, Hunter's daughter, was wearing a yellow one. So they were doing the the Ukrainian flag too. And then they sat beside Zelensky's wife was there, as I understand it. They sat beside her. So that's also awful. Like don't, you know, if, if in fact there were little hints of color at the coronation itself about saluting Ukraine. That kind of makes me mad. But also, it's like, really, Biden's, you know, we know what's going on in Ukraine. It's also corrupt. We know the money's disappearing. We know that Zelensky is going to end up with a villa in Croatia when this is over and all his people have been killed. You know, that's what's going to happen. Um, so, so don't do that. But here's the other thing I want to say. She looked terrible. Finnegan's dress was the yellow dress, looked like it had just come out of a suitcase and was not, it was wrinkled. So that's bad. And Jill Biden was wearing this really stupid blue business suit with a big blue bow in her hair like she was six years old. No stockings in Westminster Abbey, right? Bare legs. Imagine that. So, excuse me. In that moment, I just had a, a feeling about that it represented a bigger thing. It represented the kind of trashing of America. You know, America used to be able to do wonderful things like not coronations, obviously, but they, it was America, like even the Obamas, who I didn't agree with politically, Barack Obama was a big disappointment in my life. But even Barack and Michelle could really pull it together to do a beautiful tasteful, fancy thing. You know, she had good taste in clothes mostly. They didn't always suit her, but she had good taste. She was doing cool stuff with Airdam and other really nice designers. And Barack always looked really cool. And there was kind of a tasteful thing like the Kennedys. You know, the White House was tasteful. Now it's trashy, right? Every And, and it's trashy not just in the way people appear, but also in the way they behave and the lies they tell on a daily basis. It's ruining it. And this was really highlighted today by the appearance of uh, Jill Biden and and Finnegan. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say for now. My guests are, boy, that was too long. But anyway, (laughs) my guests are the wonderful Karen Hunt. We're doing a show about information, kind of information warfare today. We're losing the battle, people. I mean, the loss of Tucker Carlson, I, I know I talked about him last week, but this is a big deal, and we still don't know exactly what happened. So I want to talk more about that and other things going on information. So get hour one coming up in about two minutes will be Karen Hunt, who is a friend of TNT because she's terribly clever and writes brilliant, brilliant essays on her Substack, which is where it's happening now, folks. This is where the good journalism is being done. Seymour Hirsch. Um, I think Glenn Greenwald has actually left Substack and gone to locals because of his deal with Rumble. But um, I think Leighton Woodhouse is on there and David Zweig is on there. I'm on there too. So you know, the Substack is where it's at, and that's where Karen's writing. And then hour two, another favorite, favorite guest of mine 
also an essayist at Substack, a military historian who has the best insights on a whole bunch of cultural and political stuff. He always says what I'm thinking, but he says it way smarter than me, you know, and that's Chris Bray. So I am going to do what I don't normally do. I'm going to take a break and then we'll come back and we can go full on with Karen Hunt. I'm Trish Wood and this is TNT Radio back in a moment. Greg Maybury on TNT Radio. That was pretty much a lie as well, wasn't it? Condoleezza Rice, I think, was one of many who had come out and said, look, you know, that we could not have known that people would use airliners to fly into buildings. This also came from one of the terrorists uh, that was captured, and there was a plot to fly planes into the CIA headquarters. So these plots had surfaced before. You know, Condoleezza Rice is very, very good, just as most of them are uh, at at line. Um, And of course, she has the correct political identity, which everybody, you know, oh, a black female, you know, beautiful, by the way, beautiful in her tailored suits. And she lies very well. And she lied about the torture program, you know, continues to lie about it. She receives uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars for each speech she gives on civil rights. (laughs) She speaks on civil rights uh, here in Minnesota. They paid her around $200,000 in a a charter jet, etc. And she spoke for 20 minutes. And here she was, one of the architects of the torture program. The No Fly Zone with Greg Maybury on TNT Radio. A better business tip from TNT Radio. The benefits of advertising on today's news talk, TNT Radio, should be clear to businesses of any shape or size. It can be accessed anywhere, anytime, by anybody, and is the perfect way to build brand awareness and stimulate digital activity. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to TNTradio.live. Never done this in my life, but I'm pretty passionate about what I have to say. Free speech has a home. TNT Radio. I would say that free speech does have a home here. I have never, ever had anybody at TNT tell me what I can or cannot say. There you go. And all the time I've been doing this, I send in the guests who we're going to talk to. Nothing's ever been rejected. It's always just really amazing. It's in a very, very important place. So please continue to support TNT Radio. Really, really cool. Hi, Karen. Hi, how are you doing? I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm great. I enjoyed your monologue. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch it or not? No, I didn't watch it. I, no, I, I could not, um, I couldn't get up at that time and do that. I, I'm not quite That's as brutal. into it as you are, but I do find it fascinating. I did, I did um, see uh, Patrick Henningsen's tweet about the color, Gordon, the colors. I thought that <laughs> yeah. was quite funny. Um, yeah, it's 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 a crazy world. I'm telling you, it is a crazy <sighs> world. And I, I I would really also though I I kind of didn't intend to go there, but it just a synapse fired and I said it, but. But I, you know, I do feel that there is something really trashy about what the Bidens are bringing to America, right? Because, you know, you cannot be a person to be looked up to and honored and treated with respect if you lie all the time. I mean, lying is a bad thing. Like everybody spins, okay, I never loved 
the spinning part. I didn't accept spinning from politicians when I was working as a journalist, but but it is sort of acceptable, I guess, in this day and age. But they, the, but the lying and 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 you know, what's her name, Karine Jean Pierre? She lies. They lie. And and now, like what happened today when I saw Jill. Of course, because of the Hunter stuff, which is coming to fruition, I just thought these people are trash. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I I picked up on something interesting that you said when you were talking about Harry and his phoniness, how he could sit there with that sort of smile or whatever plastered on his face. And, you know, and then <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about the difference, you know, there's a difference between being phony and upholding what is right, even when you don't feel like it. You know, yeah, and yeah. so I think that's kind of a thing that we've lost. I, I, that made me think about that um, because also, I, you know, I'm old school the way I was raised. You know, my father was, you know, a prominent Christian author, and he had this very big, charismatic personality. And I knew him both as a human being, <laughs> you know, as my yes. father, and also as this person that was, um, you know, sold millions of books. Uh, he traveled all over the world speaking, you know, he would be booked sometimes three years in advance. You know, he would go to well, was Soviet Union, then Russia, sleep on somebody's sofa, you know, pay his own way and go and speak places. And he really upheld what he believed, but he was also a human being. So, uh, yeah. uh, and, and when he, um, you know, when he made a mistake or something like that, he actually, you know, he apologized for it. And he, and all he had to do was look us in the eye and say, are you telling the truth? <laughs> you know, and because he, <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, yeah. that, that honestly, yeah. that, and, and he had such a power because we knew that he stood by what he said, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. it instilled in us this feeling of what it meant, you know, that all of that, you know, your honor, your word is your honor. You know, when you say something, you stand by your word. And I remember how, how hard it was for me because even from the time when I raised my children from when I was a child, instilling that in my children, what that means, because it was already just, you know, all of that was just falling apart. So, um, so now the the lies are oh. are taken. At, I mean, they, they, and it's a purposeful thing that they're doing to destroy yeah. all the structures, all and and these traditions. You know, I have a lot of conflict about those traditions, um, uh, but I can now. I as I'm older, when when you get older, you know, when you're young, you rebel against those traditions, and that's mm -hmm. kind of a natural and you should. thing. Exactly. Yeah. But when you get older, you, you appreciate the value of them and, and you appreciate instilling that value in your children. Because like it says in the Bible, um, you know, one day, um, you know, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. It doesn't say how old they will be, <laughs> you know, when they, they <laughs> yeah. all finally realize. Yeah. But, you know, these are, these are, and, and we've lost, we're losing all of this. Like, like I think, um, um, Peterson said, we're, you know, we're losing our stories and, and they want, and like Harari, Dr. Harari says is they are create, we, we are creating new stories. We're creating new gods to replace and they're fran yeah. They want to replace who we are, basically our essence as human beings. And, and I think that's what a lot of it is. 
You know, that's why I love having you on because you always bring this new layer of thought to something that I've been kind of wrestling with, right? I'm in recovery. I talk about it a lot because I think it helps people to admit it. And one of the things they teach us in recovery is that we cannot stay sober unless we are rigorously honest, right? Being dishonest makes us sick. You're only as sick as your secrets is one of the phrases we say to each other. But the other part of it is if you, you know, you can't, you can't lie and and also that you the other part one of the steps is that you've got to admit when you've when you've done a harm to someone and then you've got to make amends to that person and make it right and and there are stories in in the rooms of people who in order to get sober admit that they ha- they committed a crime that they got away with and they fly out to you know Winnipeg to tell the police yes it was me that actually robbed that house and then they do 2 years in prison for it in order to stay sober that's how important honesty is. So the reason I say that is because I oddly didn't kind of really know that. I mean, I hadn't really absorbed how debilitating lies and dishonesty can be both for the teller and the receiver. And I think the time that we live in, especially as you just described it, is a time that is infused with lies and nothing feels truthful anymore. And as I've said a million times, it's partly because the media don't fact check them anymore. They just think they can lie and get away with it. But but it's so destabilizing for us, Karen. And I'm, I'm not sure um, what legacy this is going to leave for us, even you know, cognitively and psychologically. It's a lot of psychological damage being done. Um, I have, I you know, when I I was um, I've talked about it before on your show that I was in a you know very abusive first marriage, and the way that I got out of it, um, besides my faith, or returning or slowly returning to my faith, um, but a major way that I got out of it was just I decided that I would start running, <laughs> you know. So I started running in. Ken, I was living in London, and actually, I I don't know if I mentioned it before, but my daughter was actually born in the same hospital as Prince William on the same weekend. Oh, so I was oh, there wow. in the hospital at the same <gasps> time. Yeah. <gasps> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So my daughter, Katya, was born there. Um, and we actually, okay, so I'll sidetrack into that. We were, you know, I was in a big room. She was, of course, somewhere else in a, in a suite somewhere in St. Mary's Hospital in London. And yeah. um, But we would, you know, we saw the comings and goings of, Charles and and when Prince William was born, um, he gave all of us flowers. You know, we were all sent flowers. All of us women who were giving birth and all of that. So, so it was quite a weekend, but particularly meaningful to me because, of course, I had no idea her life at that point just seemed so you know like a fairy tale. And I was in an, this abusive marriage, you know. So, so it's particularly meaningful to me when it all came out, you know, what was going on with her, you know, these things that are hidden, and um, then they eventually come out. But anyway, so I would run in, in the park. And every day, no matter how I felt, no matter every excuse that I gave myself of why I really couldn't do it, I mean, every chance I was able to do it, I did it. No matter how I felt about it. And now I think yeah. it's just all about feelings. It doesn't matter what's true. It doesn't matter what your goal is. And then yeah. later on, when I got into uh, martial arts training, which I've done for over 30 years, my, my, I always remember the master would say, you know, if you try to, if you focus on, you know, on a low level, 
that's only as high as you will ever kick, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. <clears throat> so if you, you have to focus higher than you think you can kick, that's the only way you're going to reach yes. your goal. So yes, now yes. it's all about just, um, you know, accepting the lowest possible because poor me, it's like what you were talking about. Poor me. I'm just so, you know, instead of getting outside of ourselves and helping other people and doing the things you were talking about, we're just so focused on our poor little problems and, and how, and how, you know, sad we, and, and how emotional we are. And, and, but this is being put on us. We are being encouraged to be like that. So one of the other things that I would do when I was running was, I would give myself, when you're talking about telling the truth, I would give myself a goal of how far I'm going to, in the beginning, I was very skinny. And I couldn't run hardly very far at all, but I kept every day, I gave myself a new goal. And I would say, I'm going to run this far. And if I didn't run that far, that I, I couldn't lie to myself and said that I had run that far. I had not run as far as I had said <laughs> yes. I would, you know, and I would yeah. tell that to myself every time, you know, don't justify uh, uh, something to yourself. To, you know, if, if you're going to make a mistake or if you're not going to follow through, be honest about it, just as you were saying. And so that was my way of doing basically, I guess, what in what you did in recovery. And that was my sort of recovery. But it was a very sort of a personal thing on my own that I did. Yeah, well, that's I mean, it's really commendable. I mean, that's <laughs> the sort of story I think that really helps people sort themselves out because you know what, when we're faced with these, I really want to talk about Tucker Carlson, but I think this is good <laughs> stuff. So I, I, I just want to finish my thought, but I think, I think when we're faced with these big things, which we all are right now, because the world is pretty crap right now, um, that it, it can be the small little commitments to mm -hmm. doing moral virtuous things better Right. And, and we forget that because we, we, we've got big problems. You know, we've got how do we deal with everything that's happening in our lives? And sometimes just focusing on the little small good things that we forget about doing. Right. Like I sometimes yeah. I forget to be nicer to my husband. You know, and, and I know that when I'm really nice to my husband, my, it's kind of like happy husband, happy life. It works both ways. Right. Yeah. That, that, that my, my world improves. And if I'm nice just for being nice and not expecting anything back, but just because he's my, I mean, it's the person who's my life partner. I should be being nice to him. As I should get up in the morning and say, how can I make this guy's life better? But we forget to be that way, don't we? When we're struggling with the weight of this crazy, crazy environment we're all inhabiting right now. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a good, uh, it's a good thing to remember every day. Yeah, I want to talk about Tucker Carlson too. Sorry, my throat's yeah. a little bit... <clears throat> I don't know, something going on with my throat. But anyway, yes. Going so, on. so yeah, <laughs> let's talk about Tucker because I, I, I was, I, 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 this is true and it's not hyperbole. I was traumatized when he was fired because like a lot of people, his eight o'clock slot was my little moment of Zen every night. I, I know I could go there. Didn't always agree with him. Sometimes I thought he was too glib about things he shouldn't have been glib about, but no one's perfect. And what he exactly. was doing every night was spitting truth and challenging all of the kind of sacred cows of the leftist dangerous ideology. What do you mean, you know, if you're saying that black people are shot more by police than any other? Is that true? Like we should look at, we should always 
look at the what's the what are the facts? What what are we doing? So you know, obviously, he became very dangerous to to the you know the whatever the Uniparty is in DC. But but I was I, I have to tell you, I'm I'm still not over it. I, I'm I'm still I I don't know where to go to you know to get that kind of nightly stuff. Greenwald's not doing it for me. I love Glenn, but he's he need they need to fix the audio on his show. It's terrible. I don't know why nobody's saying that, but. But, um, you know, I'm just, I'm not, I don't know. What was your response? I'm talking too much. I want to hear from you. <laughs> no, Sorry. I mean, I, well, I, you know, I wrote a piece about it. Um, oh, what, what was it called? Um, yeah, well, I called it the Biden totalitarian regime. Yes, and there was did. a quote from, from CNN that said, um, holding on to Tucker Carlson comes with more risk than reward. Carlson is not a team player and, in fact, is uncontrollable. And I think that was such a big um, key. You know, he is mm -hmm. uncontrollable and they cannot yep. have that. And he was really, as you say, you know, the only one. And I really lament in that piece that everyone should be concerned about this. You know, they polarized us so much. I mean, every single liberal should be concerned about this. Every Everyone should be concerned about this because it means that, you know, in the bigger picture, they, they can silence anyone. I mean, who would have thought that Tucker Carlson could be, he seemed beyond, you know, being yeah. able to be silenced. And he was this yeah. one voice, as you say, that was out there. And um, so, you know, we'll see what he, you know, what, what he, where he goes. But another thing is that a lot of conservatives are saying, oh, well, not a big deal. He'll land somewhere else and he'll, make millions of dollars and have millions of followers. And it really shows how twisted our view of our, again, our values. Yeah. Because this is not, you know, okay, yes, he will have his, people will follow him. And, and, and they're already talking, oh, he was offered a hundred million from over here. And, you know, and this is how we view success. It's not, that that you know we're speaking out we're speaking the truth because who because look whoever speaks the truth is being silenced yeah. i mean nobody you know and you can look at that down through history you know i mean you're not the popular person when you're speaking the truth so unfortunately we never learn our lesson that oh wow that person is being silenced because they're saying things that are so hard for us to listen to Maybe we should listen to them, you know, and, and people, we never seem to learn, humanity never seems to learn that lesson. It doesn't matter that he's, yeah, he's not a perfect person, as you say. We're expecting somehow that everybody's going to be perfect, you know. I can't stand well, his this laugh. Every time I hear his laugh, it's like, I'm like, oh, why are you doing that? Please stop. You know? I know. I know. I got used to it, though, so I kind of like it. I miss it now, actually. But <laughs> but, um, but one of the things that they were saying about him is that he was kind of challenging whatever the kind of big homogeneous blob is that Larry Fink controls. I know you mm -hmm. wrote about that mm -hmm. too, the BlackRock mm -hmm. guy, right? Like mm -hmm. who, who doles out the ESG scores to people and makes, you know, poor Anheuser-Busch or whoever it was that makes, um, what was the name of the beer? Blue, 
Yeah, the the the, um, the Dylan Mulvaney Bud blue Light. Uh, beer Bud, 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 Bud Light. Light. Sorry, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kidding. I was thinking of blue light, which is Labatt's blue. But yeah, no, you're right. Um, you know, and that's why we're seeing Dylan Mulvaney everywhere because they're asking for these stupid ESG things. But so so Larry Fink, who is a corporate dude, is kind of running the show. And mm-hmm. um, did he phone? Uh, Rupert Murdoch? Did he call? Did he have a meeting with Lachlan? Like, what's we 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 will never know. But here is the question. I'm going to go to break, then we can come back. But but here's a question: Why would Fox News trash its own news division? Because like I I knew when Tucker was fired that they were going to hemorrhage um, both stock value and viewers. I knew that because I know what the commitment to seeing Tucker at night is with people, right? So they must have known that too. So why are they destroying their own brand? It makes no sense unless there's something else going on beyond the actual production of news, right? So let's um, maybe ruminate on that for a minute and Mm -hmm. we'll go to a break and uh, we'll be back soon. I'm Trish Wood. This is TNT with Karen Hunt back in a moment. Never forget Never forget the COVID tyranny that was imposed upon us. From Washington, D.C., this is the Morano Minute with your host, TNT Radio's Mark Morano. Listen to this 30-second compilation and remember, and then reject the Great Reset. Vaccines, it's time to start shaming them. Because frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated. F*** them, f*** their freedom. I want my freedom to live. No, screw your freedom. You're a schmuck for not wearing a mask. We have to to stop coddling the morons who will not get the shot. Shame on you. No mask, get off. Put on your mask or get off. Listen to the voices of tyranny. Never forget those voices. This is Mark Morano for the Morano Minute, urging you to reject the Great Reset. Administrative power deprives Americans of their freedom to govern themselves through laws made solely by legislators of their own choosing. It denies them their freedom to be tried only in courts by judges who exercise independent judgment. The new Civil Liberties Alliance views the administrative state as an especially serious threat to constitutional freedoms. No other development in contemporary American law denies more rights to more Americans. By donating to the new Civil Liberties Alliance, you can help defend the right of Americans to live under state and federal laws made by their elected legislators. We invite Americans of all perspectives and walks of life to join in a movement to protect their shared rights of speech, privacy, property, juries, and due process. Visit the new Civil Liberties Alliance at nclalegal.org and make your donation today. A message brought to you by TNT Radio. You're with Trish Wood on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hi there, this is Trish Wood. I'm back with Karen Hunt. And we're, we've are we been talking um, just about the, the loss of Tucker Carlson, which is felt very deeply across, uh, I, I think, in a lot of countries even, um, not just because of the the fact that he was a habit for a lot of us, but he also was pretty courageous and challenging the January 6th narrative and the fact that officer Sicknick was not actually uh, killed on, on that day. I mean, all the lies, right? So I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering, Karen, what you think might really be going on. You know, this, I just call it the blob, but this kind of deep state corporate, 
political partnership that hates the truth telling of a guy like Tucker. What do you think is going on? Well, I think, I mean, we can say it doesn't make sense because he brought in such a revenue uh, and all of that. But I think that at a certain point, you know, perhaps it's, and we can only speculate because we're not give, being given an answer. And even if we were given an answer, we wouldn't know if it was true or not. But, um, you know, it, it could be possible. Larry Fink is just putting pressure on the Murdoch family. You know, they, they, they as stakeholders, okay, you could say BlackRock has um, major stakehold in Fox. However, the way that it's set up is the Murdoch family has all the voting power you know, in their companies. And yeah. so, um, but they still rely heavily on their stakeholders. And so, you know, I mean, this is a, this has been a thorn in the flesh. Uh, you know, Tucker Carlson has been a thorn in the flesh of um, this woke agenda and that they're, they are pushing, you know, for a long time. And so I think that it's, they they just wanted to just cut it out. They just had to, cut it out, cut him out. And yeah. even if it takes, even if it's a loss for now, I mean, it's not, I don't think what we're going into is communism. It's more like fascism, although they're both kind of two arms of the same monster. But yeah. I know because having lived in a commun, I lived in Yugoslavia when it was a communist country. I mean, these countries, and I traveled extensively through, you know, the Iron Curtain, um, they don't care. Like, they don't care if they lose money for the sake of the agenda. You know, Larry Fink's yeah. not going to lose money. As I said in my, in my article, he, he actually made money off of that, you know. So yeah. ultimately, they make money. And even with the Mulvaney uh, thing with, with, um, with Anheuser-Busch, people say, oh, wow, they lost. No, they, they really didn't lose they're obligated to do this ESG, you know, a certain amount of this ESG stuff, you know, ESG essentials to, to, um, you know, every company now, environmental, social governance type of stuff. Yeah. And so even if they lose a little bit, they gain points in, in another way. And, and, and Hauser Bush, they, they made more money overall. Okay. In that one little market, and they know that even if somebody like Kid Rock blows up or shoots up a bunch of um, cans of <laughs> yeah. beer, yeah. all that's going to do is, you know, that, that's a drop. We don't realize because we live in this little world and we think that we're making a big impact, but we really live, you know, us conservatives that are fighting this battle, we live in a, in a world, in a small world, and that other world is taking over. And that's all their agenda is. So they have they, to push somebody like Tucker out, you know, they have to do They it. are taking over. They are taking over. I, 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 let me just say two, a couple of things that are happening in Canada. So we have, um, we have a, uh, a regulatory body here called the CRTC. Yeah. I was following your radio. tweets about that. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> about it, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the, so it's a regulatory body, and uh, you know it, it kind of exists to make sure that we have a lot of Canadian content here. We don't get swallowed up by the big American elephant. We're the mouse. We live next door to an elephant, right? We have a lot of American culture coming in here, but of course, th th this, these are people who are appointed. Many of them were appointed by the Liberal government now sitting, 
And so they're looking at two things. The government just passed this thing called Bill C-11, which is going to give the CRTC power over our digital lives and streamers and, and, and what you do and say and how you make a living in the digital marketplace, which is horrifying because yeah. the people at the CRTC, I don't know them personally, but we didn't, we didn't do so well when they gave the bureaucrats a whole bunch of power over COVID-19, mm-hmm. right? They, they, these, these elite class smarty pants people are not who should be running the show, especially on a free speech issue, right? So that was, that's one thing that is terrifying for us. But the other thing that happened just yesterday is that the CRTC, again, same body beholden to our prime minister, who is a very, in my view, dangerous person, got a letter from a trans group called Egale, in which they accused Tucker Carlson of, it was his, it was Tucker Carlson's post show um, after the shooting in Nashville by a trans person of Christian kids. It happened. You can't, that's, those are the facts. Yeah. And um, and also around that time, remember, Billboard Chris was beaten up in Vancouver and uh, Kelly J. Keene, who I had on my other show, was beaten up in Auckland, right? So there was a lot of trans violence going on. So he did a show saying that. And what Egale did was they sent a, a letter to the CRTC demanding that Fox itself be taken off um, the list of of companies that can broadcast in here so essentially we wouldn't be able to get fox news anymore on our cable like it would be gone right and the letter itself the reason i mention this is that the letter itself is full of exactly what we're talking about when we talk about untruths right she doesn't mention when she criticizes tucker for suggesting that there may be some trans people who are violent right she doesn't mention the shooting that just happened in nashville she doesn't mention billboard chris she doesn't mention uh, Kelly J. Keene. She doesn't mention the Trans Day of Vengeance that was posting on Twitter with guns. None of that stuff. So she sends off this letter saying, oh, Tucker Carlson is saying we're violent. And and they opened it. They're actually opening a hearing about it now. So they may pull Fox News away from us. Not that I love it now without Tucker. I don't. But and, and they may be completely ruling what people like me who are independent journalists can do here. Same body. I mean, it's n- absolutely nuts. Like, it is crazy. It is crazy. I mean, if you think about it, what do, what message does that send? You remember all the way back in 2021 or whenever when Jen Psaki set, announced the, the 12 disinformation do, or the tw- disinformation dozen that, you know, they were going to, that were sending out most of the disinformation. And so this has yeah. been a concerted effort for a long time to, first of all, attack the, you know, the, these, the powerful in the media and make an example of them so that further down the line, people become more and more afraid. Um, You know, before Tuck, I I guess before he knew what was going to happen, he gave a speech at the Heritage Foundation. And and I just quote one thing he said, he said, you see people, you know, revealed as cowards, saying things, you know, they don't believe because they want to keep their jobs. And you're so disappointed in people, you realize the herd instinct is maybe the strongest to be like everybody else and to not be cast out of the group and to not be shunned that excuse me that's a very strong impulse in all of us from birth and it takes over unfortunately in moments like this and it's harnessed in fact by bad people in moments like this to produce uniformity so you see people going along with this and you lose respect for them i'm not mad at people i'm just sad how could you go along with this when you know it's not true but you're saying it anyway and i think that really 
encapsulates, you know, what's happening. Um, you know, I would like to see, you know, if he lost everything, if he never, you know, would he stand up? I think eventually we are going to see people like that. It's going to get to that point. There's, there will be people who will have to make that choice, you know, lose, lose all the millions or whatever, but stand up for the truth. And that's, I think, the only way eventually where the tide will turn because people will then the values will change, you know, and, and to be what they're, what they're supposed to be in our society. I, I think that's very true. And in, in a sense, I mean, I, I'm not tuning my horn, but I sort of did that. Like I gave up a career as a director producer over COVID misinformation. And I'm talking about their misinformation to do a podcast over, and I don't make a lot of money doing that. I don't, but, but, but living the lie, like sometimes I say, Oh, Trish, just (laughs) stop being the way you are. Stop thinking critically. Stop, you know, actually looking for the study to see if it proves what they, all that stuff. Your life would be easier, but you know what? I'm just, and it's not that I have this highly developed moral character. I don't. It's just not how I'm built. I actually feel sick if I have to part. It's like at the beginning, I said, we can't be dishonest, right? I actually feel sick if I'm compelled Mm. to behave in a way that I feel is dishonest, right? It just really, (laughs) but some people can just kind of slide along. They're just slithering along with the nonsense. Most people, most people can because you know, they, and this is what, uh, what he's talking about, how disappointing it is. And I found that out myself too. When you, you know, you stand up and people say, oh, we're right behind you. And then you turn around and <laughs> nobody's there. Yeah, <laughs> Wait, yeah, what I happened? Know. Oh, sorry. You know, <laughs> we can't fight that battle. We have too much to lose. But people don't realize in the end, if you don't stand up, you, you lose everything, everything that's important. You lose your own soul. You lose your, your self-respect. You know, you lose yeah. your self-respect. And I think also then people, that's why people turn on those who stand up for truth because it's a reflection of what they, you know, they, they, they wish they could be that, but they're not. And so they have to bring those people down because it's too, horrible of a reminder you know so and that's a terrible terrible trait in humans Um, well you know what i think uh, the other thing that we need to be aware of when everybody's saying oh tucker will be back and he's gonna you know they've offered him 100 million here's the dang thing if he went to let's say rumble i'm sure that glenn greenwald and everybody at rumble is you know, throwing buckets and buckets of money at him to come there. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget how these people operate. You know, would they all of a sudden, would, would Rumble's bank say, we can't handle your account anymore because you've platformed Tucker Carlson. Let's not forget what happened to the truckers. They were, right. you know, g- they were um, GoFundMe, drop them, even though they knew that, uh, as I understand it, there was nothing nefarious going on. Like, they have lots of ways to silence Tucker. It's not just about whether he gets on Rumble or whatever he ends up doing. Mm-hmm. They will go after whoever is giving him the next platform, even if it's himself. You know, Amazon Cloud could say, we're not going to handle, you know, they right? Because he's yeah, making them exactly. all crazy. And what yeah. people don't realize is that it, we're, those boxes, that box that we're being put in is narrowing and narrowing and narrowing. So people are yes. thinking that they have free speech because they're listening to the voices that they agree with. But they're, it's just being regurgitated over and over again to the same crowd. It's not making any impact beyond that. 
Well, I am so glad to have you on talking about this because, as I said at the beginning, I mean this sincerely, TNT is is a bastion of free speech. It really is. And um, I never have any concerns about being censored in any way That's why I love TNT. (laughs) I know, I know. And that's why we love you, too. So thanks for doing this. Uh, We'll do another two-hour marathon soon. I only got you for an hour today, but we'll do a, a longer show soon together and keep on writing please you're just doing great thank work you. and um i'll talk to you soon karen hunt at right, Substack. keep so on much. writing okay bye bye bye, bye.